The following message was given by Raymond Goodlett on Sunday, December 31st at Redemption Hill Church. For more information about the church, visit us online at www.redemptionhill.com. You're both very talented, capable, qualified dancers, but tell me what's in here. Why are you doing what you're doing? Makes all the difference. The first girl answers, the mean, spoiled, privileged girl says, I, I, I dance because you can tell she's trying to find the right answer to get what she wants. I, I dance because, who's seen the movie, by the way? Okay. I, I dance. <laughs> I dance because my, my mother makes me. And then he turns to the, the girl that's easy to love, Felice, the, the orphan that's experiencing her dream. And he says, why do you dance? She says, I, I dance because it, it, it's always been a part of my life. It was there in the beginning with my mother when I was just a baby. She, she danced. I, I dance because I come alive. It helps me to live. It helps me to be who I am. And, and she gives this incredible answer. I mean, everything short of, I mean, you, you can only expect so much from a Weinstein Company film, but everything short of... Everything short of I dance for the glory of God. I mean, she said it. She said it. And, and you realized in that moment, man, her reason for doing what she did is really what made the difference here. Let me, let me ask you as we head into this new year, why do you read the Bible? Why do you pick up this book and read it? Is it because your parents make you do it? Is it because you believe you score points with God? Is it because you want the right answer? Or or is there something about what you find there? that gives you life? Is there something about what you find in this book? Is there, is there something that your heart treasures when you open this thing? Is, is, there, is there something that reminds you of who God is and why you're here and who you are and wh- what this is all about? Is it, why do you read the Bible? When, when Chris mentions the CBR journal, the Community Bible Reading Journal, it, it's a tool that helps us each day to, to read a portion of the Old Testament and the New Testament, one chapter each. But what I love about this particular tool, it, it, far from just being a Bible reading plan, it's something that helps us to go into the Bible with a very specific and I, and I think a very good aim. It, it's if you've ever read John chapter 12, you remember those two, the two Greek guys that, that came up to Philip in John chapter 12, verse 20 and verse 21, and they, they said, sir, we want to see Jesus. <laughs> we want to see Jesus. You and I don't always go into the Bible like that, but as I, was, as I was getting ready for this morning, I just, I just, it was brought back to my heart again. I said, Lord, you know, this, this year for me, I'd like to be 
a kind of fresh start. I don't want to just go into the Bible so that I have something to say to all of you. I don't want to just go into the Bible, although this is a good reason to go into it, just to get the wisdom that I need for for whatever thing I'm thinking about. Uh, I, I want to see Jesus. That's what my heart needs the most. That's what your heart needs the most, whether you realize it or not. We... Sir, we want to see Jesus. Let's do that this morning. Go with me to Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 through 45. We're going to be doing a series over the next few weeks, uh, the next five Sundays, including today, where we're, we're going to take a look at some of the main ways that our hearts are meant to respond to God when we see him. In adoration, in confession, in thanksgiving, and in supplication. And, and that's, that's only four, right? So one of the weeks between now and January 28th, and in fact, on January 21st, one of the weeks, we're going to actually have a small break in that series because we're going to take some time on that morning uh, to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of Redemption Hill Church. So God willing, we'll all get to January 21st, and that will be the 10-year anniversary of Redemption Hill Church. And so we'll take some special time to celebrate that. But this morning, we're going to be looking at our, the way that our hearts are meant to respond to God in adoration. To adore something is really, is, is really to find supreme value in something and then to respond to it. In, in, in what we do, in what we say, uh, it, it, really, it really is it's what happens naturally when your heart begins to treasure something. And so look with me at Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 45. We're going to see a couple of people here who come across some treasure. Now, my little niece, Christiana, is two years old. And we, again, she was with us over Christmas break. And, uh, man, she's probably back there giving one of the teachers a run for their money, right? She's... But she has this thing now, man, cutest little two-year-old. And she, she just ran up to me on, on Christmas evening there when we were having dinner. And she's, she has like this little kind of fake pearl necklace on, you know. And she, she runs up to me and she goes, treasure, Uncle Ray, treasure. You know, and she's so excited and runs off. So that, anyway, I just wanted to share that with you for no reason at all. It's just... Uh, <laughs> It was just really cute, and that's, as I was reading this passage, that's a picture that just kept coming back to my mind, is little Christiana and her spontaneous response to treasure. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went out and sold all that he had and bought it. Lord, help us to connect what you're saying here to the way that you want us to enter into 2018, and especially in the way that we approach your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. These two parables that Jesus tells are very similar in some sense. You, you caught that right away, I'm sure. In both of these parables, somebody finds something that their heart sees as a treasure. They come across some treasure, something of immense value, and immediately, without being told to do it, they have a very natural response to what they have just found. They, they go away with joy in the first, we're explicitly told in the first parable, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. 
Now, I'm sure that if it were possible for him to obtain that treasure without selling everything he had, he probably would have done it. My guess is the thing was of such a price and value that he had to actually sell what he had in order to be able to obtain this treasure and make it its own. And we're not told explicitly in the second parable that this person does what he does in his joy, but we're told again that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And then he found one, not many, but one fine pearl. And again, his response to finding this thing of great value was to go and sell all that he had so that he could make this treasure, his newfound treasure, his own. I think it was nine years ago, Robert. You you were preaching on this text. It was Redemption Hill had just started. Can't remember exactly when it was. But we were talking about some things that we had hoped would be true of every member of Redemption Hill Church. Values, and we didn't want just values that were like one word values you could put up. We, we, we wanted to express them in a way that we called embodied values. We wanted these things to, to we wanted to say, what, what do these values look like in action? Right? It, and so we talked about treasuring Jesus above all else. And Robert said something nine years ago that has stuck with me to this day. I had not seen it this way in this passage until he said it, but, but look with me again. In verse 44, this man's reaction to seeing this treasure would have seemed absolutely foolish just two hours before he found it. If this man, what is it that caused this man to sell everything he possessed, everything that he currently valued the most, everything that I'm sure to some degree he depended upon for his sense of stability or security, what is it that caused this man to just so quickly sell all of that so that he could exchange his proceeds for this new treasure that he found? That would have appeared ridiculous. I promise you his family members thought he was crazy. Because they hadn't seen what he had seen. Just one day before, this would have been unthinkable to this man. Two hours before, unthinkable. Ten minutes, unthinkable. What caused him to respond this way? It was what he found, it was what he saw, it was the treasure. He saw something that in a moment, without being told to respond this way, in a moment because of the nature of how God had designed his heart, he saw something that completely transformed his view of everything that he had. Just like that. Things that he perhaps had been tempted to look upon as his security, his only provision. I mean, all of a sudden, it became expendable. It became stuff that he could get rid of because of what he saw. And he was glad to get rid of this other stuff. Do you see that? It says, in his joy. I, mean, I, I talk to college students all the time, and, and I, I come with a not-so-secret ambition. I, I would love to see them 
come to meet Jesus and know him and, and come to him in repentance and faith so that they know the full joy of being his. And, and so I, and, and, and I, I will argue with them. I will, whatever it takes to get that bad idea out of your heart, to show you what it really is, to show you it can't help you. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll read five books just to, just to debate you on that one point it, because that's a soul that Jesus came and died for. And I, and I want to make sure that you come to the Lord and I'll talk to them. And, and when you begin to mention the fact that there actually is a cost. There actually is a cost to becoming Jesus's, to, to knowing him. There's a, there's a cost to becoming his. You, you don't just get the benefits of being one of Jesus's children and, and one of his followers without counting the cost of being his disciple. When I begin to approach the idea of the cost, and, and they, they start to kind of, you know, they, 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 they probe a little bit and say, well, I would just, exactly how much is that going to cost? And eventually I, I have to look at the person and say something like, you know, your whole life, you know. <laughs> it's going to cost you everything. And everybody misunderstands that. It's like, well, why is Jesus so demanding and so harsh? Why, I mean, why? It, it's, be, it's because they don't understand this is a relationship. It, it is... Right? It's not just some, some choice you're making to do what you think is good, or you're not just going through a grocery aisle and selecting a religion that you think fits you best. It, this is a relationship designed by God for His glory and your ultimate joy and good, and, and it has to be reciprocal. See, so we have to look at what Jesus has given for you to make this relationship possible before we consider what you must give to enter it. He's given everything. Right, right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think that it would be appropriate for, for let's say, a, a, a young lady to give everything she is and everything she has to this guy and for this guy to say, yeah, you know, I, I, most of my holdings, you know, I'm just going to kind of keep. But, but you know, here, here you go. Here's, here's a few bucks. I know, I know you're devoted to me every day of the year, all 365 days, 366 in a leap year. You're, you're so devoted. But, you know, you know, I... I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of shave off 10 days of the year to be devoted to you. Ladies, anybody excited about entering a relationship like that? No, I, I didn't think so. Even fewer than have seen the movie Leap. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, when we're talking about relationships, they, they just can't be formed Unless there's some reciprocity that, 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 that makes it possible. You, it just, you, you have to give your whole self to Jesus in order for this thing to work, work the way it's supposed to. And so I begin to say that, and you'll notice here that for some reason, neither one of these individuals had any problem. I'm not saying it wasn't, I'm not saying they weren't going to miss anything they were giving up. But, but what I'm saying is there was joy behind their willingness to leave that beside so that they could have this treasure. And all I want to say this morning, as before we, we, we move on to the next part, all I want to say is I, I, I don't want to necessarily put this out as this is how you should interpret the parable, because there are lots of different opinions about what is what in this parable and what this means, but I, I at least want you to think about it this way. There is no greater treasure in the world than Jesus himself. It, I mean, it's a miracle that I'm even able to say that. If you knew me 21 years ago, I could not say that 21 years ago. 
But I actually, by God's grace, know what this is like. I know what it's like to finally look at Jesus one day with my heart and to count him as worth more than everything else that I have. And then to begin to respond to him in ways that look absolutely foolish to my family and my friends. I I know what this is like. And, and And I know that for some of you, you might even be considering Jesus and you might be worried about looking foolish. Don't be. Don't be. If he is tugging on your heart, I don't, I don't know if you understand just how much of a miracle it is for you to even feel that. I, I don't know if you know, but I, I'm praying that you will. I'm praying that you will. There's a difference in these two parables, though, and I don't know if you caught it. They're alike in certain ways, but they're, they're also different in one very important way, and I just want to highlight here. In the first parable... We're not really told anything about whether or not this person is seeking. See, in the second parable, we're told that there's a merchant who goes in search of fine pearls. He is actively seeking treasure. In the first parable, we, we just have a man who found treasure. We're not told he's seeking anything. He just, he just kind of found it. And, and notice where he finds it. It's like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. It was hidden in a field. We're not told that there was anything special about the field. It's just a field. There's treasure in it, but the field is probably nothing impressive or special. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like that. It's very real treasure, but it's hidden to so many of us. Can you imagine how many people must have passed through this field without discovering this treasure? How many people passed through this field and it just looked to them like every other field? See, there is no treasure comparable to Jesus Christ. There is no one like him. There there is no one who satisfies the heart like Jesus. There, this is the very one, the very word in the beginning that brought all things into existence. The, the one the Bible calls the exact radiance and imprint of God. There is no one like Jesus. The, the, all the world of stuff, put it on one side of a scale and he is worth so much more. And yet I think it's confusing to people because the field in which he is hidden, he appears in a human body. He looks just like so many other people. He did some good things for people. Well, so did Gandhi. I mean, he, he, he taught some things. He had some wisdom. But, you know, you know, so does Deepak Chopra. He has some wisdom. Do, do you know what I mean? That, that he comes, in a sense, hidden from our hearts so that we can't rightly see who he actually is. But he is the greatest treasure the world will ever see. The world will ever know. Many of you have begun to taste that. And some of us here this morning are like the man who just isn't looking for anything necessarily. He's just come across a field that possesses the greatest treasure in the world. 
I, I'm telling you the good news or the gospel that, that we have the opportunity to hear regularly in this church, that very gospel is like a field which contains the greatest treasure the world will ever know, Jesus Christ. That message about Jesus dying on a cross for sins to pay a penalty that all of us owe to God, whether we realize it or not, because of the, the sinful, rebellious lives that we've lived, that message of God accepting his life on the cross offered up for us, the, the message of God raising him from the dead to prove that he has accepted Jesus' sacrifice for us, that very simple, simple message the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's no longer hidden from their eyes. It's hidden to some. It's revealed to others to be everything that we need. Do you see it this morning? How does does Jesus appear to you this morning? How has he appeared to you up to this point? And and is it possible that you're here at at the... just at the break of a new year where, where all of a sudden this is a new chance, a new opportunity, this can be different. You can look at Jesus and by the work of God's grace and spirit, you can see him for who he really is. Maybe that's why you're here. Maybe you thought you were here because you lost a bet at Christmas time or something. You're not looking for anything. Well, Jesus comes to save those who aren't looking for him. I, I think it's at the end of, of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, uh, the Apostle Paul is, is quoting Isaiah. Some of you are quicker than I am. And he says here in, in Romans chapter 10, verse 20, Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. Jesus is found at times by those who aren't even seeking him. You know why? Because he's seeking them. He may be seeking you this morning. That may be why you're here. That may be the reason behind the lost bet at Christmas time, if there was such a thing. And then others of you are like the man in Matthew chapter 13, verse 45. You're actually looking. You're in search of something of great value. You're looking for the meaning and purpose of life, but you can't find it. You have this idea that when you finally come across it, you'll recognize it, but you just haven't found it yet. You're, 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 you're stuck in, a, in a, an old U2 song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I'll spare you the singing of it. <laughs> now, how many of you have heard that song? Yeah, there you go. More than, more than leap. There you go. The good news for you, if you are searching for truth, if you are searching for what is greater than anything else, if you are searching for the meaning and purpose of life, if your heart is searching for the one treasure that it was made to find and at whatever cost to make its own, I am telling you it is Jesus Christ. And the good news for you is that he has not abandoned you to simply search for him. He came all the way here to search for you. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. You think there is something out there, some treasure that is just lost to you and you're searching for it. If you would allow God to help you this morning, I'm telling you, the thing that is lost is you. 21 years ago, the thing that was lost was me. 
I was the one that needed to be sought by the Son of God. I was the one that needed to be saved, to be found. I needed to see Jesus. Let me, let me begin to close like this. How are we going to see Jesus in this new year? And this is why, I, you know, the CBR journal, the Community Bible Reading Journal, is a, is a tool that we use to get ourselves into the Word of God that we might see Jesus. It's one of the chief ways that we see Him in His Word. Another way that we see Jesus is through the preaching of his word. This is why gathering with the church on Sunday mornings is so important. Not the only reason, but one of the reasons. Look with me really quick at Galatians chapter 3, so you know I'm not making this up. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the Galatians. He sees them turning in the wrong direction. If you've been with us, over the past year, then you, you went through this book with us. And he says here in Galatians 3, verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Before your eyes, Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. But he's speaking to Gentiles. He's speaking to Galatians, people over in Asia Minor who weren't there in Palestine where Jesus was crucified to look upon him and see him with their eyes. So what does he mean? Before your eyes, he was clearly portrayed and publicly portrayed as crucified. He means that through the word, through the gospel that he preached, Jesus was portrayed to them. He was made visible to their hearts. That's what he means. It's through the preaching of the word that we have the opportunity to see Jesus and to, to own him as our ultimate treasure. To, to have him put everything else in our life into its proper place and perspective. It is, it is in the seeing of Jesus that the, the change happens when we see the treasure. It, it happens without you having to make it happen. It happens. We see Jesus also in another way. We see him through genuine Christian fellowship. This is what the, the Apostle John was after. In, in 1 John chapter 4, uh, I believe in verse 12, he, he says, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God is made complete in us. He, he, he begins to show himself through our love one for another. And people see that. And that's why Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 we have it recorded Jesus prayed which is one of the ways that I know I, I know that Jesus sometimes prayed out loud and publicly because if he didn't John couldn't have heard it and couldn't have recorded it so so for those of you who are stumbling over you know I, I don't want to pray out loud because that's not right or not godly it's got to be private that was just for you but in John chapter 17, Jesus actually prays, and, and, and I think, again, it's in verse 20 and 21, he prays there and he says, he says, Lord, I'm not just praying for these who are here with me right now. I'm, I'm praying for all who will come to believe in their message, that they may be one, just as we are one, just as I am in you and they are, and, and you are in me, that they may be in us so that the world will know that you have sent me and believe, so that the, the world will see something and have the opportunity to be brought into this eternal fellowship of the Son of God because they see how Christians relate to one another. L look at the person next to you. I'm not going to have you say anything. 
Got to ramp up into the new year. Just coast. So just look at them from now. The way you treat that person matters immensely to God and is one of the most important things that God uses to draw people to himself. Yes, especially if you're married. That's right. The, the way that we treat each other is one of the ways that we will see Jesus. Genuine Christian fellowship. Another reason it's so important to come here. It's so important to meet throughout the week in our communities. It's so important to serve others together. Why? Because these are opportunities to see Jesus and be transformed. To once again remember he is our greatest treasure. To allow him to conform us to his image. That's, this is where it happens in the everyday, ordinary faithfulness with a long-term view to the glory of God. This is why it's so important. And, and in fact, in, in Revelation chapter 3, or, or chapter 2, turn there with me. I'm just skipping all over the place. Revelation chapter 2. I, I read this this past week, and it, it, it hit me as I was thinking about all of this. And in verse 2, Jesus comes to this church in Ephesus, and he says, I know your works, which is always true. Jesus always knows our works. He your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, but you found them to be false. A lot to love about this church. I mean, they've even tested people who are claiming to be something big, who are claiming to have some special relationship and access to God that you have to go through if you want to get to God. They, they, they claim themselves to be some super apostle, and Jesus says, you've tested them, and you, you, you have the truth alive in you, and you know that that's not right. You know that you have direct access to me through faith. You, you've tested these people. You've protected the church. There's so much to love about this church. He says, he says here in verse 3, I know that you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary but verse 4 I have this one thing against you now listen closely you have abandoned the love you had at first the church is holding on to orthodox views. They're, they're not succumbing to the pressure of the, the culture and the world around them to, to approve of everything that God says is sin and to, and to you know, to, they're, they're, they're orthodox. They're holding on to all of that stuff. But their love, they have left. They have abandoned, the Bible says, the love they had at first. And, and I want you to hear in verse 5 what Jesus says to this particular church that has a sort of loveless orthodoxy. And he, he says, look, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. And there's a lot you could say about this, but he, he says, first, I want you to remember. Don't do anything yet. Remember. Repent. Turn around. And then, and then what he says is after that, that repentance has been granted and you do turn, what does he say to do after that? Redo. Do the things that you did at first. So here's, here's my challenge to us as we, as we look at this going into the new year. For those of you who are believers in Christ and who, like me, can kind of look at a point in your life where you say, this was the pinnacle of, I think, my, my passion, my love. My, this, was, this was where that was. 
and I'm, I'm somewhere else right now. The cares of life maybe have begun to choke out a little bit of the word and, and the joy, you know, whatever that case is. And you say, I'll, I'll, I hear the Lord telling me to remember, to repent, and to return, to go back and do what I did at first. I, I think that's why it's so important for you to hear in this way. It's, it's not just about what you do. That was in Leap as well. <laughs> Great scene. Great scene. <laughs> just fantastic scene. So it's the night before the Nutcracker. And spoiled, you know, rich girl is, she's supposed to be dancing as Clara. So that's, you know, really spoiling this thing for you. But you should have seen it already. So she's, she's cast as Clara. And, and the, the master, you know, instructor, he's, he's so frustrated. He goes, no, no, no. We are one day away from the main performance. Please, find something. There, there, you have no emotion. And she says, but, but I'm, I'm doing all the right steps. He says, it's not just about doing the right steps. Find some kind of life, joy, anger, something. Some sign of light. Look, folks, it's, it's not just about doing the steps. It's not just about reading the Bible, coming here on Sunday, going to, to be with your community throughout the week. It's not just about doing the steps. Find something. Is there, is there passion for the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there a real treasuring of him? It makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. And so when I say uh, what the Bible says here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 5 to you, go back and do the works you did at first. Please hear that the right way. But now that we've said that, please go back and, and trust that Jesus is helping us when he says go back and do what you did. Pick up that Bible. Read it. So that you can see Jesus. Give your soul as many opportunities to do that as you possibly can. Preaching to myself here now too. Do that. Be here consistently. If you're traveling and, and you're good, man, make an effort. Make it part of your plan to be here on Sunday. Build your, your schedule around that. Prize this time the way that God does. I'm not, look, I'm not, I'm not here to say, I'm, this is not a guilt trip. I'm just saying, there's treasure. There's treasure in what happens here that God wants you to see. And it has its effect on us. It begins to transform the way that we see everything else. It sets our hearts aright. Come, be here. Let yourself see Jesus publicly portrayed as crucified for your sins every week through the preaching of the gospel. And, and, and join with Christians in fellowship, genuine fellowship. We'll see Jesus again. Go back and do the works you did at first. There is a connection between the love that we had and the things that we, we did. And, and I want to speak in, in closing here. I'm really closing now. If, if you're here with us this morning and you're not a Christian, either you're, you're maybe confused about whether or not you are or you know you aren't. Right? So I'm talking to, to those of us who, who fit that category now. There's, there's another way that we come to see Jesus. In fact, it's impossible without this. In John chapter 3 in the Bible, 
And this is what I was reading 21 years ago when I think Jesus was first and finally revealed to me. In John chapter 3, Jesus is having a conversation with an old guy named Nicodemus. And he says, I tell you the truth, unless someone is born again, you want to talk about a new start. Unless someone is born again from above, by God's spirit, unless he is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, but it's hidden in a field, and it's, it's hidden from those who have not been born again by God's Spirit. God must do something for you through the hearing of this message about His Son, Jesus Christ. When you hear today that Jesus came all the way from heaven because He saw where you were, and He saw where things stood between you and God, He saw that you were helpless to fix that broken relationship. He saw that you would be eternally condemned by God, your ultimate judge, unless something changed in your relationship. And Jesus said, I am willing to come and to give it all away. I am willing to leave the pleasures and the glory of heaven and all the comforts of home. I am willing to come and at whatever cost to make sure that your relationship with God can be what it should be. And when you hear about Jesus and everything he suffered to make it possible for you to look at God And to say, God, I'm sorry. I have not treasured you the way that I should. In fact, I've treasured things that you have made more than you. And I understand now that that is the most grievous of all sins. That is the worst thing I could ever do. You finally see that and you come to to God and he says, "I, I ask one thing of you and one thing of you only. I sent my son Jesus to do all the hard work. Here's what I ask of you. Believe him. Turn to him. Believe what he says. Believe that I will accept you if you receive my son. Believe that. Believe that what he did for you when he died on the cross and what I did when I raised him from the dead, believe that it's enough and come to him in faith. Repent, repent, and yield to my son Jesus the balance of your days. Look at him and say, Jesus, I am now here for you. You died for me that I might live for you. Here I am. I promise you, if you respond to Jesus like that today, because you have seen him as the treasure that he really is, everything about your life will begin to be transformed. Today, today, today is always the day of salvation, the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. It's never tomorrow. The opportunity for salvation is always today. Will you receive the Lord Jesus today. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would, you would do that. It's something in what we've sung, something in what we've said would, would communicate to us the opportunity to not simply make some resolutions that we will fail to keep by August or January 7th, uh, but the opportunity to see And to have as our own Jesus Christ. The treasure that our hearts were meant for. And that this year, 2018, maybe for some of us, for the very first time, will be the first year that we get to experience what it is like to be one with you. We ask that you would do that for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And and we're going to do a couple of things now in terms of a response. 
For those of us who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to respond in just a moment by receiving communion. And these, these, these elements, the bread represents the body of Jesus, the cup represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. And when you come up to those who are serving you, they'll say something like, the body of Christ was broken for you. The blood of Christ was shed for you. And you can say, thanks be to God when you receive that. And you can remember that you, by God's grace, get to experience, celebrate, and have as your own the greatest treasure the world will ever see. And it makes all the difference. And, and I also want us to respond another way today. Those community Bible reading journals are available. Please don't let the $10 keep you from, from picking up one of those journals. You know, we, we certainly, you know, we need those $10 to, to, to come in. But, but uh, if it comes down to that, maybe just come up to a pastor and let us know what the situation is. It can just be between us and you. We don't want you to be without that if your heart desires to go on that journey with us this year. All right, so I want you to, to respond that way as well, to get one of these journals. And together, let's, let's go through the Word of God. Uh, why are we going to read the Bible this year? To see Jesus. If you're serving those elements of communion, you can, you can go ahead and get those now and prepare to serve the rest of the church. Take a minute, if you will, to respond or to reflect on what we've heard. And when you're ready, come to receive these reminders. Yep, come, as you will. come and receive these reminders of God's grace to us in the sacrifice of His Son. Happy New Year to all of you. You've been listening to a message by Raymond Goodlett given at Redemption Hill Church in Richmond, Virginia. For more information on the church and to hear other messages, please visit us online at www.redemptionhill.com.